So I'm out walking. I have my royal fatness in gear. <laughs> I walk. I guess I should pause it because third of a mile. Hmm. Yes, yeah, so I was out walking, walked about a third of a mile. And then uh, it came to me I should do this podcast in this fine city park where I am alone. There's people in the distance, but they're doing their thing, so I'm not really impacted or annoyed by their presence. I merely choose to ignore them. Looks women who are trying to stay physically fit. Well, good luck with that. Uh, women and men with their children in the park playing. So that's a nice, delightful sight. They're over there. I'm over here. Okay. Um, I had done a podcast earlier on money and management and stuff, and then I thought, you know what? It's just not worth it. Most people are going to do it anyway. Um, I faced the realities. So I deleted it. I'm doing this one instead. This one, uh, if I can ever uh, get over this yawning, this one is, well, it's multifaceted because it has something to do with conversation, has something to do with perceptions, has descriptive uses of words, the description of words that people frequently substitute wrongly for other words. Oh, this is a collage of thoughts, which I hope will help you understand things that I understood as a child. Maybe you understand them already. Maybe you understand them, or at least you think you do, better than I. Maybe you don't understand them as well. Who really cares? Um, I'll give you a for instance. I am this type of person. If I say something or I'm talking about something and you correct me on it, and I realize instantly by comparison that, yes, I misspoke. I said something when I said something which may seem, may even seem insignificant to most people. If I said, yeah, the Franco-Prussian War was in 1871. Well, it's really in 1870. 1871 is the unification of Germany. So if I slipped and said, yeah, the Franco-Prussian War between the Prussians and the French was in 1871, and someone said, uh, and people usually tell me bluntly, no, George, that was, that was 1870. I know it's 1870. I realize this at 1871. So when they cue me, I instantly accept the correction because I want to be correct. I, it doesn't matter if I'm embarrassed. It doesn't matter if I have to acknowledge I made a mistake. I don't care about stuff like that. You know, I really, really don't. I made a mistake. person helped me correct it. I said, you know, you're right. It was 1870. So I'm, I made a mistake. Boom. For me, that's over. I, and you can laugh and say, yeah, I think he knows everything. I couldn't even remember when freaking the Franco pushing more. I don't care about stuff like that. I say to hell with you. If you want to do that, fine, do it. I don't care. It doesn't affect me. I made a mistake. It was corrected. I accepted the correction. And boom, it's over for me. It might not be over for you. As early as five or six years old, from observing adults, especially adults, I understood at that huh, tender young age how important words were, how powerful words are, and how words can come back to haunt you. Yeah, I learned that at that. I mean, you might go, oh, but what do you think he was a freaking genius? No, I wasn't a genius. I was just very observant. And I learned 
the finesse of using words. I learned how words could be used to inform, to communicate, to affect a person's feelings, to shut somebody down, to confuse them in their minds, to force them to be honest. I mean, the words used properly, um, well, improperly too, can have a tremendous impact on people because that's who we're used to communicate with, people. Um, and people misuse words because they don't really know their meaning or they don't know how they should be applied. Like I was talking to somebody recently who says, well, I just need to handle that. Now, that is colloquial uh, amongst the populace, you know, the society. Colloquial in society to when you are going to deal with something, they'll say, I'll handle it. Well, that is a misuse of a word. Handle is being misappropriated for a better word, which would be manage. So someone said, um, have you got that under control? And they say, yeah, I handle it, or I'm handling it. No, it would be better if they said, yes, I'm managing it, or I managed it. Because man those two words have separate meanings. Handle usually means to hold or contain, to have your hands on. Whereas manage is much deeper. Manage can be many different things you did to take care of the problem or to keep it from getting larger than it was to contain it. So manage has, covers so much more ground than handled. But people will use handle, you know, interchangeably for manage. Um, I learned, for instance, as a, as a young child, how to cloak what you're really thinking by the words you chose to use. I learned how to answer questions with questions to keep from revealing what you were thinking. I learned all this stuff very young, and then I just worked on it throughout my life. Um, but the one thing I did learn more than anything about this whole process, uh, you know, this whole method of using words was if you always tell the truth, that's the important thing. If you always tell the truth and then you use your words to reveal or represent the truth, your words will never come back to haunt you. That's it. You'll never have any regrets because you were honest in what you did. Now, there are some people who would say, yeah, I've seen freaking George in action. He's a, that son of a bitch is lying to you. He'll freaking tie your mind up in knots so you don't even know what day of the week it is. Yes, I do that stuff. But I'm not going to lie to you to do it. I use truth to do it. Um, I use your fears to do it. I use your imagination. I use what you know and I use what you don't know. So it is true in the sense I will tie your mind up or I'll redirect you or I will take over your thought processes. That's true. I will do that stuff if I absolutely have to. I prefer not to because I don't want to think for two people. I want to think for me, and I want you to think for you. But if it becomes necessary to, you know, for the things I need to do, it becomes necessary to do that kind of stuff, yes, then I, I do do that stuff. I always do it for the benefit of the other person. I never use it against them unless they're working against me. So when someone comes to me for help or advice or anything like that, I may use those different methods for their benefit. Because some people are incredibly freaking stubborn. They're wonderful people, but they're freaking stubborn. Stubborn 
is similar to somebody being dense. Because somebody who's dense, you can't get through to them. Someone who's stubborn, you can't get through to them because they're stubborn. And they don't want to give an inch. They don't want to yield. People who are dense are just freaking dense. They don't know. <laughs> they don't know function. They don't know any better. They're freaking stupid. Dense is a form of stupidity. It can be worked on. It can be improved upon. Idiocy, forget about it. You're born an idiot. You're always an idiot. In any, I would say any effort dealing with idiots is wasted effort. But you can like to waste your time and energy. Go ahead. I don't. I don't deal with idiots. Stupid people I'm willing to work with, depending on their degree of stupidity. Ignorance. Wow, oh, love of God. Ignorance can be worked with, and it's amazing what you can do with people who are just ignorant. So if you get somebody who is intelligent but ignorant, you'd be surprised because they're intelligent. They just don't have the knowledge. Those people are like freaking sponges. They soak stuff up. If they have a good memory, if they're intelligent and have a good memory, are good people, and they're humble, you do worlds, you make a world of difference in someone's life who's that way. And I have a few friends who are that way. Um, they didn't get a good education. They had a hard, very hard life, um, spent most of their time surviving. So they were kind of kept or prevented from having exposure to things that other people have exposure to, like university lifestyle or good relationships, um, good job working uh, situations, different things like that. Almost in every area of their life, they were acted upon adversely. And they've been surviving, just making it, you know, making it work and all that kind of stuff. Incredibly intelligent, you know, just very... Very good memories, very good heart, good people. Um, and the thing is, is they want to improve themselves. Those are people you can do wonders with. Um, because, and they're, they're almost like machines in a way. And that is, once you open their minds to the possibility of things, like there is really a different way to live. Um, you can be more peaceful and have greater happiness if you just do this, 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 and this. Once you open that world to them and you help them to see the relationship of things, the do's and the don'ts, the the consequences, you know, of, of certain actions, all that kind of stuff, it's incredible. They're amazing people. Um, they just, there's an upward trend with them. They keep improving over time. Uh, some are at a very, you know, quick rate, a, a rapid rate. Others are more consistently, uh, whatever angle you want to put on a graph, they're consistent. The thing about those people, they're always improving. They're always getting better. That's the thing about them. Um, can't really say that about, idiots can't say that at all. People who are incredibly stubborn and will not yield, they can be very intelligent. They can have great memories. They can be very good people. You have to manage your relationship with them in a way that you wait for them to come to the realization that something is true. You can show them everything. You can do everything. And it's not until they analyze it, think about it, and make a determination. And then if they decide it's true and it's going to work for them, that's done. It's like putting a book on a shelf for them. They've changed. This is what they're going to do. So you just have to be patient with those types of people. Because after all, it's their life anyway, isn't it? Yeah, it is their life. Let them live their life.
Now, I cannot teach everybody everything that I've learned because it took me a lifetime, and I'm still learning. Um, I'm learning one of the things I've learned probably in the last four years dealing with people in social media is sometimes I can be too much. So I'm, I'm used to myself. Like Everybody is used to who they are, but other people are not you. So some people are going to just be thrilled the way you are. Other people are going to, you know, they're going to think, yeah, he's pretty good. Other people are going to tolerate you, and some people are going to oppose you. They're, they're not going to like you. They're going to think all these different things about you based on their perception of you and the way you differ from them. Um, I don't care, honestly. I just don't. I don't let those things bother me. I keep a constant of who I am trying to be a better person. That's what I do. But with people, uh, like I said, I learned, one, I'm too much I'm too much for some people. Second thing I learned, is, which surprised me, I, I didn't really expect this, there's like, uh, there's like two groups. The groups who want you to just tell them the truth and the groups who don't. And the groups that want you to tell them the truth, they just want you to tell them. They don't want you to worry about how their feelings and um, the long-term effect of it. They want to know the truth. The other group, not necessarily. And the second group, there are people who would like to know the truth. They just don't like the way you deliver it. There are some people who want to know the truth, but they're not convinced you know it. Then there's people who say they want to know the truth, but they really don't want to know the truth because if the truth conflicts with what they're doing and what they think, they don't want it. Like I had a discussion with a young man about transgenderism in sports, transgender athletes competing in sports. And his position was that if a person, if a man transitions to be a woman, he's a woman. And if he wants to compete in women's sports, um, he saw nothing wrong with it. Well, I'm on the other side of the fence on that. Just because you're a man who gets surgery or whatever you do, or call yourself a woman, you're not a woman. And women's sports is for women, not trans. Trans is a subset. And it's not even, if you really want to be honest, it's not a subset from the standpoint it's below woman, like woman, then there's underneath it. It's to the side of woman. It is not a real woman. It is another category, and that's why they say trans woman, you know, or trans men, because they're not real. They're just being classified for the augmentation or modification to their body and their mind. So that's all they can affect. They can't affect their spirit and changing their spirit from male to female. They can't. But they can change the look of their body. They can modify their bodies. They can walk down the you know, the hallway twisting their ass and with fake boobs and all this other surgery or whatever they do. Um, the bottom line is they're not a real woman or man if they're biologically, if they're biologically a man, they're a man, even though they may look like a woman, kiss like a woman, they think. You kiss a woman that's kissing a woman. You kiss a trans woman, you're kissing a man. You're kissing a man who's trying to pretend he's a woman. Even if he convinces himself he's a woman, he's still not a woman. But this person disagreed with me. So I said, well, what's so wrong about having sports defined by the biology, the biological birth of the person? What's so wrong about that? And he said, 
because they're not that anymore. And I said, prove to me that they're not that anymore. And he said, because they're a woman now, look at them. Uh, they've, they've got breasts. They're shaped like a woman. They talk like a woman. Um, he was going through all these things. They sound like women. <clears throat> and then he said, you can have sex with them if you want to. And I said, I would never want to. Never. Well, then I said to him, well, if we have to have a set of standards to define a male or a female, a man or a woman, what better standard than the biological birth of the person so we can keep men competing in men's sports and women competing in women's sports and not have men who think they're women competing against you know, biologically birthed women? He wouldn't, he wouldn't listen to me. He disagreed with me. He said, I was behind the times. I was some old man thinking he knew everything. He said a lot of stuff, and I said, and this is how I handled it. I said, you know what's funny is you say all these things about me to justify something that's not true, and everything you say about me, like I'm some old man, I think I, think I know everything. Um, if I tried it, I might like it. That's what he was saying. He said, I bet you if you screwed a trans woman, you wouldn't even realize it was a man. And I thought, well, that's all. That's interesting. <laughs> You're just trying to convince me in one breath that a trans, a man who transitions to a woman is a woman. And then you challenge me to have sex with a trans woman saying I wouldn't realize it was a man. You're admitting it's a man and you didn't even realize you admitted it. But I didn't call him on it. I didn't want to make him aware that he had made a mistake. So I said, how would you know? Yeah, putting him on the spot. I said, how would you know? Um, I said, I've screwed a lot of women. I think I would know the difference. And he said, no, I bet you wouldn't know the difference because they're just like women, whether well, or not. Anyways, they got tired of the conversation and we closed it. But this is the point I'm trying to make by that whole conversation. Truth is truth. And no matter how it's represented, misrepresented, presented, or mispresented, it doesn't matter. Truth is, is continuous. Truth is constant. So no matter what anybody says, if they're telling the truth about something, it's constant. But if they try to modify something and present it, it doesn't matter if they want an argument with you. It doesn't matter if you're on a stage and there's a hundred people in the audience and, and I'm, say, for instance, this man and I were on the stage. He makes his argument and telling, you know, he's saying, yeah, you would know the difference if you screwed a trans woman. You would know the difference. And everybody's clapping. Yeah. Everybody's clapping and supporting him and what he's saying. That doesn't make it true. It doesn't. When he says, um, if a man, if a man transitions to a woman, that doesn't make it true. His merely stating that doesn't make it true. Oh, gosh, Isaac. Oh, the train again. Yeah, he's pulling out. The point I'm trying to make is if you operate from the... A son of 10,000 fathers. I mean, does it really have to do... I'm doing a podcast over here. Anyway, it doesn't matter at all. If you speak in the sphere, within the sphere of truth, it's true. No matter what you say, if it's outside the sphere of truth, it is not truth. No matter how widely accepted it is, 
experienced or celebrated or no matter how many experts claim it's true this is this is a fact you know this is evidence it's not consensus does not trump truth that's the truth and that is the truth um now the reason uh, and i'm going to talk talk about the trans transgender thing here is the term itself reveals that it's not true because if a man if it was possible for a man to become a woman a real woman and a woman to become a real man they wouldn't have to have the, the hyphenation they would have to have the prefix trans the trans is to identify something other than uh, you could say pseudo that would have been another way to put it pseudo man pseudo woman um, but they don't like to use pseudo because pseudo implies that it's Im imitation. It's not. It's a false. It's false. So they use trans to say that there was a journey from being a man to becoming a woman. The problem is it was a journey, but it did not accomplish what they say. It, what they say it represents. It did not accomplish that. So the hyphenation is necessary because. There is no way to be, for a man to become a woman or a woman to become a man. But there is a way for a man to become a trans woman or a woman to become a trans man. That is possible. And I accept that. So when people say to me, do you believe a man can become a trans woman? Oh, absolutely. I've seen a few. Absolutely. I don't argue that point. But if you approach me on the biology, absolutely not. Cannot. Yeah. And that's not, I'm just using that as an example. There are many, many, many more examples. Sometimes truth is presented, subjective truth is presented as truth. Like when someone says, well, you know, the 2001 Mustang Cobra was the best Mustang ever made. That's a, that is a subjective truth. And, and see, it's hyphenated because... It's true to that person who maybe had a 2001 uh, Cobra Mustang, which they were really nice. To them, that's the best Mustang ever made. But if you're going to determine uh, what's the best Mustang that has ever been made, you would have to look at, uh, you'd have to go back and evaluate every Mustang, and you'd have to have a standard of categorization. In the categorization of Mustangs, what Industry-wise is the most important. Maybe horsepower is one of the criteria. It has to have so much horsepower. It has to have traction control in the rear end. So the perfect Mustang would be a Mustang that had as many, if not all, of the standards that classify as a, maybe it has to have aerodynamics that are the wind, the drag and coefficients have to be a certain level. Uh, there's a lot of things. So whoever if the industry establishes the standard, and when you look at all the different um, Mustangs, you find a Mustang that has most of them, um, a Mustang that has many of them, and a Mustang that has quite a few, and then the rest have few, then you'd say the top three Mustangs are this year, this model, blah, 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 the second one. So the one that had the most is this. The one that had many, is another year, another body style, and you know, whatever. And the third one is one that had um, quite a few, but not as much as the other two.
and then the rest are, are too similar to to determine it's not where it's you're looking for the top three if you do that if you have a standard to measure an established standard then it's easy and truth is the same thing too um english majors know this there are certain words you use there are there's a sentence structure subject verb object so when you put a sentence together subject verb object for instance um sentence construction um you know your commas and your periods all that kind of stuff so all put together form of communication can become i wouldn't say perfect but it can become um, it's well developed, so the communication process is very good. That's why you'll see people who speak really well when, when a good orator, uh, or, you know, a person, a speaker, um, stands before a crowd giving a talk or speaking on a subject. They speak what I call across the spectrum. So if they say something complicated, for the people out there who have an education, say in physics or something, and will, will understand physics language, they will say things in the physics language for them, and then they'll say it again in everyday language for people who don't understand physics to understand. For instance, they may say um, Newton's third law. You know, they may say, oh, Newton had three laws of motion, and the third law, you know, talking about force and opposite reactions and but then he may speak the new new Newtonian way to people but then when he speaks to the everyday person he says well you know um it's like if you hit something if you hit a punching bag it absorbs your punch and it moves so much but if you hit a wall where that mass is greater than the force you can exert on exert upon it when you punch that concrete wall it doesn't move at all and you suffer the rebound effect because the force came back to you so they'll speak in terms like that they'll, or they might say well haven't you ever thrown a baseball and when the bat hits it depending on the you know depending on the force from the person swinging the bat it'll determine how far the ball goes they'll use things in your language that you can understand but they'll speak scientifically to people understand the physics part of it that's a good speaker so when a person is talking to somebody, they have one or two objectives. Well, really, they have three objectives. There's three different people who have objectives or three different objectives a person can have when they talk to someone. They can speak to ensure they understand using uh, words and you know examples to help the person understand and ensuring they understand. They can do that. Or they can purposely talk to make sure they don't understand to make them feel you know, less than what they are or to confuse them so they can't figure out what's going on. Um, and some people do that to make you dependent upon them for the answers. They purposely make it so you can't understand, so you have to come to them, and then they do it to manipulate you into coming to them for the answers. Um, and then there's the third type of person who is just trying to deceive you for a, a personal uh, advantage over you, um, who may purposely tell you things and I've seen this trick before. They will tell a person they know who can't keep their mouth shut something really juicy about somebody else. And then they'll say, but don't tell anybody. Uh, don't, and I, you know, I'm, I'm sharing this with you because I really like you. I'm trying to help you. So 
you got to promise me you're not going to tell anybody I told you. Those simple-minded people will spread the rumor and very like, seldom ever give up the person who told them. It's just funny how it is with those people. They'll, they'll act like they'll go around like they're the big man on campus and they know stuff people don't know. And well, then when it starts coming back on them, um, you know, they'll backpedal and they'll say, well, you know, I just heard it from somebody. I thought it was true, but they won't give the person up and it makes it look like they're the ones who did it from the beginning anyway. It's, it's funny how that, how that is, that phenomenon. I'm going to close this out real soon because I'm going to get a snack and my, I got to pick my daughter up shortly, but well, what time is it? Yeah, let's see. Watch, yeah, 11:42. Yeah, I got to pick her up pretty soon. Um, the point, my point is this: you should be wanting to communicate truthfully and honestly. You should learn. You should learn how to communicate effectively. And when I say effectively, I'm talking about when you need to communicate to help the person understand. When you need to communicate so you don't reveal more than you want to reveal. Well, learn to communicate so you can cloak if you have to cloak. Because not everybody's your friend. And not everybody can be trusted. Not everybody thinks highly of you and wants to help you. People have a variety of motives. When you deal with somebody, they have a variety of motives um, of why they're dealing with you and what they're dealing with you on. Also, learn the language so you can better understand when somebody's telling you something. So you can discern through their language when they're withholding information. When you can learn from their language, and usually their body language too, when they're cloaking on you. When they're trying to convince you something is one way by the words they choose, when it's really another. Yeah. When you learn that stuff, you'll be surprised... Um, how it'll raise your level of awareness. It's just crazy. The things you will begin to understand, not just by what you're being told by other people, but why, by what you're listening to in the news, the advertisements that you are um, you know, exposed to, or maybe you're watching television, there's an ad for shampoo, and there's just some gorgeous woman hanging on a dude because he uses Axe shampoo you know, desert tan or who knows what the hell he's putting in his hair, you know, raccoon grease or whatever. Um, and you're a man and you're, you're not looking at him and his freaking hair. You're looking at her. And she's saying, oh, baby, I'm glad you used freaking axe raccoon grease in your hair because it makes you so desirable. I just got to have you. And the freaking schmuck watching the, the commercial is thinking, I've got to get to Walmart and buy some of that stuff. Because that is what the message is. If you use Axe Raccoon Grease in your hair, gorgeous women are going to want you. And unfortunately, there's a lot of women and men who believe that kind of BS. So <laughs> he finishes his freaking bag of jalapeno cheddar Cheetos, swigs down his energy drink, and he's out the door like a flash. Because he has he's made a connection between gorgeous women and the use of that product. And I'm telling you, this is true. I can't tell you, even friends of mine who would do spike their hair and I'd say, what the hell is, what, what, are, what are you doing? What do you mean? Well, your freaking hair. You look, you look like you're freaking exposed to static electricity. And they'll laugh and they'll say, no, I put a little product in my hair. 
and I'm thinking your freaking hair is shiny. You put more than a little product in your hair, and they'll say, no, this is, this is the fashion, George. Women like this. Well, who the hell cares what women like? What do you like? That's the thing. What do you like? And if you're married, what does your wife like? To hell with all the other women. Who gives a damn what they like? But that's the effect that words and pre a presentation can have on a person. It can cause a person to change their behavior, buy certain products, not buy certain products. Um, the whole smear. In conclusion, words, the way they're used, the tone of the voice, all this stuff can effectively to get people or convince people to do things they wouldn't normally do. Um, it can get people to believe things that aren't true. It can get people to support things that aren't true. And the thing is that they don't even realize they've been co-opted by the person who is very clever with their words. Now, on the positive side, a person who is honest, has good command of the English language, understands the proper words, understands the methodology of influencing people and being persuasive and does it for the sake of truth and the other person's benefit, not seeking an advantage, can do tremendously good things in the lives of other people. As long as they remember this one thing, which I tell everybody because it makes me mad because a lot of people don't listen to this. It's their life and you should not be making decisions for them. Making suggestions, uh, that's one thing. But making decisions for them is quite another. And I am not a supporter or advocate of making decisions for people in their life. They must make their own decisions. But I'm also on the other side filled with frustration and anger, friends who could make suggestions to their friends that could really help them, and they're afraid. They don't want to offend their friends. Oh, they have such tender hearts, I couldn't possibly wound their heart. Yeah, I say get laid. You should, if, you're, if they're really a friend, you should be willing to tell them the truth because it's the truth that's going to help them, not your flowerly, oh, you're doing... Just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great. Bullshit. Your life is a freaking, it's upside down. You're, you're making, I mean, your life is a wet dream. You're making so many mistakes. I usually don't say that. I say that to men. I don't say that to women. Usually with women, I do question and answer approach. Um, I, I make them aware of things. And then I ask them questions about it to gently lead them in the direction that I think they need to go uh, to help them. And when I sense that I'm being too too much, I back off. Um, not because they may be offended or anything, but because with women, most women, and I'm talking about good women, the bad women, the hell with them. You're not going to get any, you're not going to get anywhere with a freaking bad woman. You're just not. And I, I don't run the International Society of Save a Whore. I don't do that. I work with good women. I do not work with bad women. I work with good men, sometimes bad, but mostly good men. But the point is this, you can be more direct and you can be even somewhat hurtful or dismissive with men that you cannot be with most women. With good women, you have to be gentle, you have to be considerate, you have to move slowly, you have to gain their confidence so they know you're really trying just to help them, you're not trying to get an advantage, you know. You're not, you're not trying to get anything from them. All you're trying to do is help them because you're a friend. 
Man, it's different. You can freaking lay the sword on a man. And I have. You're worth the shit. You're nothing. Because you're being stupid. You can say that to men. Don't say that to women. They deserve better than that. Um, but so again, again, you got to decide. I mean, there are some women who came right out and said, just tell me. I said, okay, you're acting stupid. What? And I said, you are. You're acting stupid. You're, you're a lot smart. Why are you acting stupid? You're a smart person. They said, well, I don't really like being called stupid. I said, okay, I'll substitute the word. You're being an idiot. They said, I can't believe this shit. And I said, well, you, you, I said, I'm trying to help you see. You're a smart person, and the things you tell me you're going to do is stupid. It's not. It's going to make it worse for you. Yeah. Why are you waiting around? Why are you making these decisions? And then I try to do question and answer. What do you think about this? Have you considered that? I try to make them aware. And then if, the, if you spoke to the women I, that I um, talked to and try to help, they will tell you, he always says, what do you think you should do? Because I do. I ask him, well, what do you think? What do you think you should do? What do you think would help you? Because I want them to make the decisions. And if you help somebody by making them aware of something and they have a good heart and they have brains and a decent memory, they will know it's true, or they will take what you tell them and maybe modify it a little bit, but they will make it work in their life, and they'll have, and you will be helping them. Try to trick them or take advantage of them or run their life and make decisions for them, and all you're doing is screwing them up worse than they already are. And nobody has the right to do that BS. Okay, that's it. Now it's it. <sighs> I got to get going. All right, take care.